friends. Welcome to Girl Empowered, a podcast with Ophelia's Plays designed to inspire, educate, and empower you and the girls in your life. I'm your host, River Allen. I'm so excited today. We are going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is all things geeky, and in particular, what we're calling girl geekery. So that intersection of girls and all the fandoms and awesome things about being a geek. And we're going to talk to some fabulous people today. So uh, we're going to talk with Aloe from Ophelia's Place, who's going to talk to us about Dungeons and Dragons. So the wonderful game, interactive, great use of imagination, very popular and has been for decades and is growing in popularity among girls and women. So we're going to hear from her about her experience in running D&D groups for girls. We're also going to talk with Andrea from Books with Pictures Eugene, which is a local comic book store, about her experience in creating a welcoming space for comic enthusiasts, getting people excited about what's available and the breadth of amazing art and storytelling that's available through comics, and hopefully get you all jazzed up to encourage your girls, participate with your girls in everything to do with being a geek. Before we get to the interviews, I'll share a little bit about my own experience. So I am what we call a dyed-in-the-wool geek, nerd, occasional dork, all the terms. And for me, you know, back in the day, those terms weren't always so friendly and nice. Sometimes they were really used to bully or marginalize kids who had interests that fell outside of what was considered you know, cool or the norm. And I have remained someone who isn't necessarily cool, <laughs> but society's changed. And a lot of those things that were maybe once the realm of the awkward kids in the back of the room are now way more mainstream. So all we have to do is look at things like the wild success of the Marvel movies and superheroes to recognize the kind of centrality that the stuff has taken in our culture nowadays. Um, I remember being a kid who would read my brother's comics, would try to get in on all the D&D games, um, loved reading fantasy novels, um, and all of those things. I loved dragons and unicorns and anything that you can think of that was in that realm. I was all about it. And I was fortunate to have a geeky dad who felt very comfortable encouraging my brother and I to um, be interested in all of those things. And it's also been really exciting to watch this evolution where more and more people in general are starting to feel welcome in those areas that maybe once um, were pretty small, kind of a narrow demographic of people. So to look around nowadays and see, like I said, the Marvel movies, the amazing comics that are coming out with all kinds of original artists from all different backgrounds, um, board game playing, role playing, cosplay, you name it, it is now part of our culture and is largely celebrated. I think this is great. I think for lots of reasons particularly the opportunity to really explore your imagination and build community with others, especially who share some of those interests. It's also been really exciting to see that um, we're getting better representation. We're seeing strong women characters showing up in these um, movies and these comics. We're seeing people of color. We're seeing creators behind the scenes who are bringing diverse lived experiences, queer identities, you name it. So it's kind of an exciting time. There's still some challenges, still some barriers, of course, 
course, culture is evolving, but a lot to be excited about. So I'm really excited to kick everything off today by introducing you to our wonderful staff member, Allo. Yeah, thanks for having me. My name is Allo Graber. I use she, they pronouns. Um, and at Felia's Place, I am our rural school program coordinator. So a little bit about me. Let's see. I have three lovely cats named Grog, Trinket, and Siri. I love to draw. I love to roller skate. And I am just deep in the geek culture, which I'm sure we'll talk about a whole bunch. Uh, what I do at Ophelia's place is I coordinate with our rural schools. So for us right now, that looks like Junction City School District, Monroe, Oregon, um, all the way out in Oak Ridge and possibly will look different in the future to provide our girl um, empowerment groups in schools, as well as our classroom presentations to students of all gender. So coordinating and scheduling those, maintaining that connection, and then also providing those services with those schools. Which is amazing. And I'm so glad that we have someone who can really focus on reaching more girls and in communities that maybe don't have as many services or don't have as much support and that maybe can sometimes feel a little bit like an afterthought. Yeah, it's it's definitely something close to my heart. You know, I grew up in rural Oregon, went to small rural schools as well. So to be able to like that, like understanding and empathetic, like love for rural communities and get to make it a part of my job is really awesome. Okay, well, we are very lucky to have you for sure. Um, and you mentioned one, I didn't know that you liked roller skating. So I just learned something about you. <laughs> Even though we've been working together for three years, something like that. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned being a, a dyed in the wool geek, which I am as well. Um, so the sisterhood of geekdom is real. Um, I'm wondering if you can tell us like, what does that mean to you? And like, kind of what does that journey look like for you in terms of like being a geeky girl? Yeah. So for me, I think also maybe for many others, it's a huge part of my identity. And the reason I included it in my um, introduction is because to me, geek culture is all about really how I connect with others, the ways that I express my creativity and the things that just really click for the things that I like to do. So I play video games and that's how I connect with my friends and explore new things and appreciate um, content created by just talented folks. I create art. I play Dungeons and Dragons, which is just like the peak of all of my favorite things to do. So that's awesome. I love that you highlighted that um, there's this way that you can use these things to connect with friends, but also that it's really a creative outlet. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it helps like express parts of you and see parts of your identity reflected in this content, which I think, especially as like a girl immersed in geek culture can be hard to find aspects of like girl geekdom represented. Um, and so a medium like for me, Dungeons and Dragons is really awesome because you get to build a story and create that for yourself. That's such, yeah, that's such a cool way of looking at it too. And I think it really engages the imagination and that's why it's fun, not just for like young people, but even adults, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely being able to use your imagination to be creative. And then also the fact that it is inherently something you do with other people, which is really cool. Yeah. 
For anybody who doesn't know or is curious about Dungeons & Dragons, I always explain it saying it's like a narrative storytelling game. So like you're collaborating with others to work through things and that's celebrating that connection and also like getting to connect with those parts of yourself that maybe especially as an adult, you don't get to pause and be like silly or especially creative is super valuable to me. Absolutely. Yeah. That playful side of ourselves. Actually, I was just (laughs) talking with a friend recently about um, board games and she's kind of been on this whole trend of finding collaborative board games where like you're all playing together sort of against the game or against, you know, whatever the the opposition or the problem is. And she's totally sucked me in because I was like, oh, I love that so much better than like games where I feel like I'm playing against the other players that are my friends and maybe I get like a little weirdly competitive. So totally. We'll have to touch base about board games later because I absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to need some (laughs) recommendations from you for sure. Um, So I wanted to talk uh, today a little bit more specifically about Dungeons and Dragons. And so your enthusiasm is going to be fantastic because you know what you're talking about and you love it. Um, You know, for people who didn't know Dungeons and Dragons, I, I should have looked it up, but I believe the first books were published in the seventies. Um, and yeah. And so me being born in the seventies, <laughs> um, by the time I was like six or seven, um, my older like boy cousins and some of the other kids around me were starting to play it and talk about it. A lot of times it would be maybe their dads, but then like the teenage and middle school age boys were playing it. And I remember being really fascinated and being like, this is like my dream. It's like acting out a book or I get to tell a story. It was really, really exciting. Um, But I will say that up until pretty recently, it's not always been the most welcoming place for girl players. No, um, it definitely hasn't. And you might ask this in a little bit, River, but um, in my experience doing Dungeons and Dragons groups with Ophelia's Place, I got that feedback from girls directly. And that was part of the intention at like one girl, I think said to me something along the lines of, I've been wanting to play this for so long, but my brother and his friends won't let me. So I think that um, having a a girl led space to, to explore those avenues is really validating partly because it hasn't always felt most welcoming for girl identified youth. youth. Yeah. And I think that's actually true of kind of geek culture at large, you know, for, uh, for a number of decades, it really felt like kind of a boys club. Um, Girls and women could often feel kind of pushed to the margins or feel that they were only welcome if they were like kind of sexualized or, Mm -hmm. you know, or sometimes there'd be that thing of like getting your credibility checked or having to know the rules better than anyone just to prove you had a right to be there. Like these are some bigger trends within culture that have made it feel maybe not so great for totally yeah. lots of people, but especially I think, you know, girl identifying folks. So, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like that's really changing. Yeah, definitely. It's I mean, I am always like surprised because to me, when I started playing Dungeons and Dragons, it was so new to me, something I had never heard of, had not been introduced to me. My friends weren't playing it, but like 
through both times of me facilitating Dungeons and Dragons groups, specifically at Ophelia's place, I have been so delightfully surprised to see how many girls are not only excited, but come in and they know all about Dungeons and Dragons. They already play, they have all of this stuff, which isn't to say I doubted that they would have that knowledge, but just it's so exciting to see that they have found that community in their own lives and are excited to continue it and to connect with like specifically OP girls. Yeah. Um, so that really great to just see them and some of them even were like DMing or or doing their own stories for their own groups and so that's been really great to see because it's something I certainly didn't when I was younger too. Yeah. And I think the, the culture at large is becoming more welcoming. You know, we've seen with the explosion of things like Comic-Con in San Diego and um, the excitement people have about cosplay and the Marvel movies, like things have just exploded in such a way that being interested in those things maybe now is a little more normalized and also mm. more space for um, for our young people and for our girls. And so I think um, seeing Dungeons and Dragons, it, one of the things that excites me is that I'm really curious to see um you know, how they take that game forward and how they change the gameplay, um, Mm -hmm. which I think would be really kind of cool. Um, So I am going to talk to you a little bit about those groups that you run, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to ask you, like, when you first started playing Dungeons and Dragons, like, what really got you hooked? Like, what made you love it and want to keep doing it? Yeah. So for me, what got me hooked but kind of like I mentioned earlier, not only this narrative storytelling, like being a part of this really majestic, like it action adventure story was really unique. It's kind of like was a more complex version of a choose your own adventure book, right. um, but more creative way. Um, also, my favorite part of Dungeons and Dragons is creating a, a character and like expressing different fun things that either I see reflected in myself or different personality things that I want to play around with. So like having a character based off of like Gilderoy Lockhart from Harry Potter and seeing how fun and silly that would be to try that on um, and then getting to interact and act those things out with like my friends kind of kept me coming back for more because it was something that was like celebrated, encouraged by my community to just try those silly things and flex more into something that wasn't initially very comfortable for me to do. So. I love that. It's a safe place to really explore parts of your personality, the things that you're interested in, your creativity. Um, And I think there's just, as we said earlier, like the, the fact that it's framed within play, right? It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be exciting. It's, it's a, it's not necessarily a a, a finite board game with a winner and a loser. Mm -hmm. Right. And the, and it's like, there's, there's no wrong answer. There's nothing. I mean, obviously actions in the games will have different consequences, but it's a safe place to be able to like, try something absolutely ridiculous and just have the freedom and trust in your group to just kind of like offer them and see where it goes and going on those wild rides with like folks who, who you care about. So. Yeah. I love everything about this. And that's certainly what I enjoyed. Um, <laughs> So I'm curious, you know, you have this experience playing D&D, you've played it with friends, you've probably played several different campaigns. How did you go about designing the campaigns or the D&D game for girls at OP? Like, I'm thinking maybe like the first time. Yeah, well, to be entirely honest, and I don't know if I've even shared this with OP girls before, so this is an exclusive. (laughs) (laughs) DMing was actually my first time ever DMing. Really? Period. Had never done it before. And it I was kind of 
overwhelmed by the idea of doing it um, because I was just surrounded by folks who like had a lot of knowledge of like the the numbers, as I say, like all the rural stuff, whereas I just kind of had the love for this fun, silly structure. So I think that I started with just my intention and the reason why I, I wanted to do a Dungeons and Dragons group at Ophelia's Place is to introduce this story that encouraged girls to lean into the sides of themselves that allowed them to express creatively, whether that was like trying a silly character or like getting to describe something and be a part of a world that like was their own and connect with other girls. So I wanted it to be collaborative and build on those like emotional skills, but I didn't really have much of an idea of that. So I started by just thinking of it by a story and different things that, you know, folks might want to be able to do. And then writing that story and breaking it up and crawling fingers and hoping that all the time and, and numbers and all of that works out. Um, and then really so much of it is guided by the girls that I just showed up ready and willing to have fun um, with a group of girls who like really wanted to try something new and learn about Dungeons and Dragons and what from there. Um, as for like teaching game parts, I just looked at all of the elements that made me kind of like, okay, wait, <laughs> how do I do this? And break it down in a way that um, felt accessible for folks to be able to just pick this up and, and play. Because a lot of those barriers of playing are looking at all the numbers. And I really wanted to design it in a way where you could just like show up and, and tell a story and not have to worry about those things. And that was part of my idea too, is I wanted anybody to be able to play like not just folks who knew about Dungeons and Dragons or knew how to play or were like a certain age or anything of course we did like group agreements and stuff like that but I wanted it to be like you could just be like hey this sounds fun and show up and and play and I also really like what you said earlier about you can design a lot and you can prepare and you can do these things and ultimately how things go is girl-led which is really so much of um a value that we have at least at Ophelia's place. And that I think a lot of people who work with youth are in an empowering way are really looking at like, how do we um, create spaces where the young people can actually pick this up and kind of move it forward and take it, take the lead, um, not having to have everything kind of controlled or guided. So yeah. I think this was such a perfect example of that. I really appreciate that you, you know, really made that connection. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that's one of the things that like I appreciated as a young person um, about geek culture in general, especially Dungeons and Dragons, is it was a way to have your own space and to like do your own thing in a way that felt really empowering when there weren't a lot of spaces that you could do that, especially as a young person. And I definitely see that reflected in like folks's um, young people's like enthusiasm for the Dungeons and Dragons groups that we've done at OP. And they get to kind of become the masters of their own knowledge and their own play. Yeah. I also do one thing I do appreciate about Dungeons and Dragons is after, you know, aside from, you know, a set of dice, which aren't usually terribly expensive. And then, you know, the books themselves, which often, you know, one of the neat things is that people could even chip in on, or if one kid has mm -hmm. them, but nobody else does, it doesn't have a huge cost. It doesn't have a lot of challenges to getting involved. And I think that's mm -hmm. a real strength too, that I appreciate that young people don't have to necessarily be accessing, you know, parents' money or whatever, you know, totally. to, to get it going. And you can play it anywhere. Like we said, you can play it virtually. You can play it in person. You can play it at the park. You can play it at recess. You can, you know, um, yeah. it's always funny to me because there was a bit of a, um, 
<laughs> an uproar in the eighties when people were you know, very, <laughs> very freaked out about Dungeons and Dragons. And, um, and I think that's really settled down when people realize that their kids didn't actually turn out to be, you know, psychopaths or Satanists or whatever, you know, like it's, it's fine. Totally. <laughs> and it's yeah. really become much more expansive and much more a playground totally. of the mind. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Well, what you were saying, River, really reminded me of one of my favorite things about getting to facilitate a D&D game at Ophelia's place was really like being in a space where the girls were like, yes, I was like the one that the GM, you know, telling the story, but to be able to look at girls and then be like, oh, what happens next? And I get to say, you tell me, yeah. like, tell me what, what we do next. And we'll, we'll see what happens. Like that is just as much fun as so inspiring for me mm-hmm. as it was to be like oh yeah let's see and to um facilitate that was something that felt really special and meaningful for me too so and I do think there is something about you know how it aligns well with our work you know we talk a lot about um helping girls develop healthy bonds with each other like and that means even if they're not best friends but just learning ways to be respectful to and to not get caught up in a lot of kind of you know, unfortunate competition or cutting each other down some of the pitfalls that we talk about within, um, you know, the culture. And so I think this is such an example of creating a space where collaboration is really valued. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, we have to work together. (laughs) Yeah, exactly that. It's like, even if you're like in a space and you're like, well, I don't necessarily think I would have done that idea. It's so nice to see, look around the table and see girls like maybe laughing with somebody who did something and it, it, turned out to be like just a disaster, like in a, in a fight, right? Um, so even if there is that level of disagreement, I think that it's nice to, to recognize like the value in the different perspectives and different approaches to doing things. Yes. Um, and I think like Dungeons and Dragons is kind of uniquely set up to celebrate those things and promote that collaboration if you're intentional about the ways that you are facilitating it, of course. Yeah. But I think that's a great point because even if a girl really felt strongly that like on her turn, she wanted to do a thing that maybe the rest of the group wasn't totally a fan of, you know, she has the option to do that. And then whatever happens happens Yeah, and that's okay. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. um, and maybe, you know, there's different perspectives. Maybe, you know, the thing works and everybody goes, wow, sometimes taking that risk or doing something outside the box actually is okay. Cause it works. And then maybe sometimes it doesn't. And then they kind of go, Oh, well, and that, that, you know, that girl might go, well, okay, I'm going to maybe think about this a little differently <laughs> next time, but, but there's totally. the, you know, the, the risk is low, but there's good opportunities to practice. And I think that's really important. Yeah. That that's what I was thinking about too, is like, it's a space to practice taking those risks because of the safe to do so and it's like what's the worst gonna thing that's gonna happen like your character might stumble a little better miss an attack or take some damage but it's like thinking about the wide scope of things like so often we are encouraged especially as like girl identified folk to like not necessarily take risks and to always be kind of thinking about those things so to be able to like just do that and act in a way that you can in a safe space like that feels not only really fun, but also really empowering to be able to make that choice, see what happens. Yeah. I think this is all why I was really excited to talk to you about it. Cause I think that there's, um, you know, there's probably listeners who have either played D and D or their kids do, and maybe they haven't really thought about 
some of the other aspects of what comes with this and maybe some of the advantages, the, um, the social emotional aspect that you mentioned earlier, and just mm-hmm. learning to work together. It's in many ways, some of the values that we associate with team sports, but yeah. for maybe those of us who are not as sporty, you know, <laughs> some of those things. Um, I'm curious, you know, now that you've done a couple of groups, um, what's your experience been with kind of how, how the girls play or how they engage with it? I mean, I'm, that's a general big, yeah. because they're all unique, but I'm just totally. Yeah. So, and they all definitely have been unique, but I think one of the things that I was the most nervous about is when you have a game like Dungeons and Dragons, where basically anybody can do anything within reason, right? I did not know how girls would interact with each other, or if they just want to attack each other or anything like that, because that can be fun to do in, in like some circumstances too. But for the most part, um, girls may be a little bit shy at first, especially if it's new, but I have been so inspired and delighted to see how much girls are excited to basically lift each other up. Like girls who are being like, oh, you want to do that thing? That's a great idea. Let me figure out how to help you. My character can do this. Or like working through a character, um, working through like different character works together, being like, yeah, um, I found this like special rock and I think that your character would really like it. So I got it for you. And like doing those sweet gestures within a creative game has been really cool. And not that like I didn't expect any less from like our affiliates place girls, but it's been really sweet and inspiring to see because um, especially our last game, I threw in a little bit of a twist where a trusted other character in the game was maybe not as well-intentioned as the team thought and seeing the shared reaction to this twist and being like, no, we were tricked. Like how we move past this together has been really awesome. And I think that, um, I wasn't sure if girls would would like Dungeons and Dragons as much as I did because it's something that is either your thing or not your thing. But seeing girls coming in excited each week to build on the story with each other and to learn more about each other's characters and share more that maybe they have thought about their character from week to week has been really, really cool to see. I, I love that too, that it appeals to people with lots of different talents and interests. Mm-hmm. There were some girls who came in and they're like, I really like to write stories. So I want to like take my friends through one of these games. Like what are some things that I need to learn? And and some girls really like the numbers and rolling the dice and being able to get the highest score that they might be able to get from those dice by working with the rules. And some girls just want to like basically act out a character and um, play play that and be creative with their character design and draw their character. So there's so many different things that you can do and you can kind of take what works and, and leave the rest in some senses too. Um, and just, I think it's so great for us to remember that having fun is really an important part of our well-being. You know, we and we've worried a lot about you know young people, especially in this last year. Um, but all of us, I think, have, you know, there's been a bit of a toll. And so if there's one maybe thing that's really bubbled up for me is that we need each other, you know, we need ways to connect for sure. I think we all know that, but also just that fun and play are really crucial because the world and life will throw us all kinds of curveballs that we're not expecting. Mm-hmm. But if we have some of that, that resilience um, from being able to, as you said, sort of lean into the silly and be playful and stretch outside of our boundaries and take a risk in a way that is safe, you know, that, that fun playfulness actually has a lot of other kind of benefits that come with it. 
Yeah. It's like being able to, to pause everything else that's going on, hang out with your friends and laugh at like, you know, meeting a silly gnome. Like you didn't know that that's something maybe you needed, but it's just feels so great to be able to like have that. I was thinking about, you've probably seen this. There was a, not exactly a meme, but it was a social media post that got shared widely. And it was a dad talking about, um, I think he was running a game for his daughter and her friends. Mm -hmm. And he kind of followed more of a traditional format. And like, there was some sort of siege and there were wolves. And uh, he described that the girls decided to uh, go feed the wolves and like tame them and then lead their own wolf army. Yep. (laughs) And and he was just like, girls, man, they're going to take over the world. And I was like, that's such a beautiful little testament to how one of the advantages and, and maybe cool things about girls getting more engaged in geek culture is that they get to change that culture and maybe yeah. even the culture at large, right? Um, mm-hmm. Different ways of approaching things and solutions that maybe wouldn't have been evident because they were shut out and now they're claiming their space. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things that I love about Dungeons and Dragons is not only can it be that space, but it just encourages all the things that I feel like oftentimes, especially in geek culture for girl identified youth, um, gets like discouraged. So being able to problem solve and take things in your own direction and then just being able to see where that goes is really awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, Thank you so much. I so appreciate you being part of this conversation and sharing your experience and insights, you know, as your own self, but also as someone who's done these games with girls. I just um, can't thank you enough. It's been really fun. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Anytime that I get to celebrate not only our OP girls, but also geek culture and geek culture at OP for girls, like, heck yeah. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. My pleasure. I'm really excited to welcome Andrea Gilroy, who is the owner proprietor of Books with Pictures. And I want to give you a minute here to tell me a little bit about your shop and what motivated you to open it and a little bit of your story before we get into some questions about uh, comics and and geeks and girls. Yeah, sure. Um, I will clarify it's Books with Pictures Eugene, and that is important in part because uh, there is a Books with Pictures in Portland. Um, And we are connected. We sort of consider ourselves sister stores, um, not really a franchise per se, but we share uh, Katie Pride, who uh, owns and runs the shop in Portland, and I are good friends and share a lot of uh, philosophies about what makes a good comic shop, what makes a good space for community. We're, you know, specializing in trying to be a particularly welcoming space for people who tend not to feel as welcome in many traditional geek spaces, especially people who maybe aren't longtime readers or people who don't fit the traditional boxes that people sort of associate with comic shops or that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that, you know, one of the maybe the stereotypes or, you know, rooted in some truth is that historically what we think of as geek culture has not necessarily been super inclusive. Um, uh, And I think mostly just, you know, it has been historically kind of the purview of um, 
white boys, you know, yes. yeah, uh, I'll like, just say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, part of it is those, some of it is that those were the original creators. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the way that the culture saw the market was really that, oh, it's, it's, uh, young and teen boys that read this. That's, that's what it's for. Yes. And particularly in the late seventies, early eighties, the entire market sort of switched from being a more generalist market to where you would find it more in newsstands and, um, drugstores and that kind of thing. I mean, you might've remembered as a kid, like wandering by Fred Meyer and having the stacks and there being like a comic or something. Right. Uh, if we move into this production model, that is, um, a little bit more specific to, um, our consumers and have shops that are specific to our fans, then we can create, uh, you know, distribution system that is going to care about us. And that's great. And that's a great idea. But then what it means is that the entire publishing world sort of switches to focus directly on who, who they think is buying in those direct spaces. Right. Um, and stops focusing on that broader market. And I think that's so interesting because, you know, when I was a, a little kid in the seventies, um, right. <laughs> I remember um, I was obsessed with Wonder Woman. Yeah. And rightly so. Yeah. And, and looking back, it's really interesting because I've looked at, I have like a compilation of some of the early comics of Wonder Woman. Um, pretty amazing. Like, honestly, such a great character and mm-hmm. in many ways breaking a lot of social stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Wildly popular. Yes. Um, definitely got into trouble. Yeah. The, the creators. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was really interesting to see that, you know, for all that Wonder Woman's outfit maybe was a little skimpy, her character was very empowered and, and, mm-hmm. um, and I think in many ways, I would still not feel bad about young girls seeing yeah. her character. But it was interesting that by the time he was really becoming a serious collector in the late 80s, and I'm reading my brother's comics, there was a shift um, in terms of, and I think this is probably speaking somewhat to that market that you were alluding to, um, you know, that kind of more sexualized and definitely even, you know, supposedly high powered female characters were depicted <laughs> in ways that you know, maybe aren't necessarily the most empowering, but I'm wondering what have you seen in the trends, maybe in the more recent decade in terms of thinking about an audience that is more inclusive, um, certainly of girls and women, of more marginalized people, representations of people of color, um, you know, kind of broadly, and then especially kind of in terms of how we see girls and women, are you seeing more titles coming out that are more, um, diverse that are more interesting that are that are maybe challenging some of those inherited stereotypes and cliches yeah so the answer is yes and no um it is it is both improving in impressive ways and frustratingly not in other ways right Uh, and it also depends on which comics market you're talking about Mm, Um, because the comics market is not a single behemoth anymore. Um, It is not just superhero comics from Marvel and DC. Right. Um, And it honestly, it's some, it never really was, but in the past 10 years or so, there has been a really marked shift. One of the first big changes in the industry as a whole um, was the sort of massive boom of popularity in manga. Right, of course. Um, and this is not sort of not necessarily talking about like all of the cool indie stuff that's happening, um, 
which is cool and there, but it's always sort of Indian on the edges um, and, and smaller and more literary. So, you know, if we're talking about sort of really popular stuff. Right. Um, really accessible stuff, especially for young people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of explodes right around the turn of the millennium um, <laughs> in publishing and particularly in the sort of most popular categories, uh, you might hear kids talking about shonen manga or shoujo manga. Um, and that literally translates to like boys manga and girls manga. Right. Um, the publishing industry is very, it sort of wears on its sleeve that certain of these uh, books are meant for girls and certain of these books are meant for boys. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean that there's not a ton of crossover in the reading uh, and that there are some artists who do both and all of that kind of thing. But, um, you know, that's, it, it's very, if you were to look at the covers of these magazines, you know, some of them are like action punching explosions and some of them are like pink and bows and glitter. romance. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that does suddenly like reintroduce romance comics or like intensely, um, you know, comics that have uh, uh, more intense sort of focuses on relationships and even things like Sailor Moon, which is ultimately an action comic about a bunch of girls, you know, kicking ass and beating up the world, um, (laughs) also has like some really intense romantic subplots and is much more about a lot of the internal feelings. Um, And and so this is opening up a whole like new market. And so the demographics of people who start calling themselves comics fans is, is begins to shift. And this has been cemented in the last decade because there's a huge like just explosion in kids comics, which some people listening might feel like well, comics are for kids. Uh, <laughs> you know, one sometimes wants that to be an old, outdated notion, but it's not entirely. Um, and in fact, for a long time, finding things specifically meant for younger kids is actually very difficult. Exactly. Um, because a lot of things are meant for older um, the older groups, even if it's, um, teens. Yeah. And I, I definitely, we've seen that happen where as geek culture has become more accepted and kind of more, a little bit more open, um, younger and younger people are getting interested. And I think that's definitely has been a challenge is that how do you find things that are, you know, age appropriate. And, and by that, I don't necessarily mean like we're trying to you know, create a whole bunch of gatekeeping around what kids can read, but there are things that are going to be more relevant to different age groups that are going to be more interesting. Um, And certainly when you have geeky stuff get interesting and then you've got, you know, a nine-year-old, are they, you know, what are they going to read? Are they going to read, um, maybe they really like the superhero comics, but maybe they want something that's a little bit um, more about what their lives are like. And I think that's such an interesting piece about, about comics in general is this ability to see that even when we use kind of these tropes of heroes or, or whatever, like Sailor Moon or, or whatever, that they're really, people are still wanting to read things that feel like they speak to them about something in their own life. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's this particular sort of part of the market that's been growing and, and changing. It's so exciting. Um, that is really exciting. And this has been really hugely embracing more diverse voices, um, more diverse creators, the more traditional side of the market has, you know, has been making a lot of steps in that direction. Um, but it is still overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly male. Um, and also, I mean, very strict within parameters of how we represent the body, right. Yeah. Of how, we, you know, I, I remember seeing a, a title come out and you probably will know, um, 
in just the last few years of, with a plus size woman superhero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Faith. Faith. Okay. Yeah. And, and feeling like there was such a like mind blowing moment. <laughs> of like, Oh, wait, there's no reason we could, couldn't have been doing this. Like, we, yeah. yeah. So starting to see maybe a, a few cracks in the. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, definitely, they're definitely starting to be more and more, but we still get some pushback. You know, I think we all ultimately, we want to see the world we live in reflected in some way. So the world we live in is made up of, you know, billions of different perspectives, diverse groups of people and experiences. And, um, and to see that maybe starting to creep in and have a foothold within geek culture and within comics is actually hope inspiring for me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Having grown up I mean, with this history of comics where I really didn't necessarily see that. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's, and there are ways in which it has always been there. Yeah. Right? And, and that's one of the the fun things. And one of the things of somebody who has, you know, studied the history and that kind of thing is sort of like, huh? when people get like angry about Captain America being political or something, it's like, it always was. you do know he punched Hitler like a year before we joined World War II. Like, He's been politi- like he was conceived as political, um, and yeah. as criticizing the United States' actions, like that's because <laughs> they weren't in World War II yet, so he had to go fight Hitler. Um, it's always been great about having a lot of women characters or a lot of people of color in particular characters, um, but there are ways in which, and this is what I think was interesting when you were saying about Wonder Woman is that you found her empowering, even though you knew the outfit was a little dumb. Um, representation is a very tricky beast. I think all of us probably have identified deeply with characters that we know aren't great (laughs) or that we know have problems. Um, And yet we do nonetheless, right? Because we see parts of ourselves in them um, and and that helps empower us in certain ways um, to see that part of ourselves. Now, the easier that step is for more people, the better. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's clear whenever you see somebody responding, especially little kids, like that just natural response to someone seeing someone like themselves, um, the power of that kind of um, representational identification is so clear. You know, one of the a really interesting moment I experienced in my learning and growth um, around disability, for example, was I had a, a really dear colleague who educated us around some disability inclusiveness. And she pointed out that there had been an activity, um, maybe it was an actually an event that brought disabled youth together and they got to design superhero characters. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was interesting is that they had, I mean, they had all these really interesting characters with different superpowers. Um, and for example, one of them was a wheelchair user and he, I, he had ice powers. Or I'm not exactly sure, but he had a cool power. And, um, you know, the reaction of some people around them would have been to wonder, well, why, if they could have a superpower, didn't they make themselves not disabled? Yeah. And I thought that was such an interesting insight into some of our cultural assumptions and the recognition that that those disabled kids are are full people living full lives. Um, You know, that wheelchair represents independence and mobility. And if you could pick a superpower, I mean, there's a lot of things that they might want to pick that are really cool and that have no relationship to, you know, having to change something about their identity. And, And also how powerful would it be for disabled kids to see disabled superheroes like yes you know so i think that there's some really great ways that this these stories and this representation 
even just asking questions and helping people think and see themselves in different ways. And as you said, it's not perfect. We're not talking about some sort of like (laughs) utopic world of comics, but I do think that there's some changes. And I think that, as you said, there have always been some of those transgressive elements or exciting elements. Um, And for our young people, you know, they're immersed in this world that is, (laughs) that has become a lot more um, open in a lot of ways. Um, I'm wondering if you wanted to share any um, particularly neat experiences maybe that you've had with young people connecting to a comic or especially any girls that you've seen kind of show up and get excited about, um, you know, what's going on with comics that they maybe didn't even realize were there. I mean, the first that springs to mind is we have a a young girl who's a sort of regular. She came in um, saying she read a lot of web comics and and wanted to read some regular comic, like regular, quote unquote, regular comics. (laughs) And and particularly she was interested in manga and particularly she was interested in romance manga. And, you know, we found a couple of things and she poked through them and found a series she liked. And then she would blast through that. And every time she would come in, she would come in like a couple of times a week on her way home from school and, like, I just finished this one. You won't believe what happened. This happened, this happened, this happened. And, you know, it led to all these weird and interesting conversations sometimes because she would ask, like, why hasn't this person done more stuff? And I would say, well, you know, this this person is this or this person is that. And, like, we talked one time we had a conversation about, like, the exploitative labor practices of the manga industry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, little little... Uh socioeconomic education happening uh, in the next you know well it's, it was partially true it's like that's why the, that's why some of these things are you know weird and you see someone once and you don't see them again it's because it's just a, it's a ringer that a lot of these artists go through mm. um and, you know, she's reading a bunch of different stuff and like you know she's like i think i'm done with romance now i want an adventure story and like we just go through all these things and it's she's just great she's just she's a, she's a smart kid she's great she comes in she's funny and asks questions and loves to read and brought a friend in and that's exactly the kind of thing that you know we're we're here for that you want to see happen that engagement and seeing the seeing the kind of curiosity light up and exploration and questions and and having that relationship with you i mean all of that is is pretty wonderful there are a lot of studies actually about um the benefits of reading comics for kids um awesome and not not just um the one that I think a lot of parents are happy to, which is like, well, you're reading, you're reading, sure. <laughs> um, which is great because you want motivated readers. You don't want to force somebody to read. If they like reading, then you, you, you motivate them. But um, a whole lot of interesting studies about um, reading comprehension and reading retention and a lot of these things, as well as um, developing skills, because you're not just reading, you're also interpreting the images at the same time. Yeah. So a whole lot of stuff um, that's going on. That's, that's really complicated and really engaging uh, the mind um, in complex ways. I love that. It goes on with, and, with comics. So. And the community building aspect that you've talked about, you know, so between uh, readers and collectors in the shop, but also between each other, yeah. you know, at that exciting moment, you know, we've certainly seen that happen where a girl who's interested in a specific title or manga series, and then she finds another girl who's into that same yeah, one yeah, and they yeah, lose yeah, their minds, you know, <laughs> and they're so excited. So, um, and I, yeah, and this is just, it's encouraging to think about the multiple ways that this um, particular art form is, is connecting people and inspiring and, and engaging and also growing and changing constantly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, and I think as you said too, you know, it made me think it's not just the representation within the pages of the comic, it's also the creators, right? The writers. Yeah, and so, you know, as we're really pushing and asking for more voices to be heard and to be behind the production of these titles so that those stories become really authentic. Would you be willing to share a couple titles that maybe if someone was interested in sharing with their kiddo or wanted to come in and check out more at your shop that they could, could ask about? Are there any ones that you're seeing right now that you're really excited about that you think would be really cool for um, a young person to check out? Just to think of like a, a tween, uh, early teen girl, Raina Telgemeier stuff is amazing. Um, if you have a teen to, or tween girl, they've probably already read it. Um, she's best known for uh, a series of autobiographical books, um, starting with Smile and then Sisters and Guts is the third one. Um, she's written a couple of other things as well. But even though the main character is a young girl, it's based on Raina's own life. And a lot of boys read it too. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of young guys I know uh, also love Raina. Um, and she's in in the comics world uh, in that particular she she is a one name figure. It's Reina. Everybody knows who Reina is. Got it. Um, she's also did the first couple volumes of like um, a Babysitters Club adaptation, nice. um, and a couple of other single graphic novels. Um, and any of her works are just really great. Um, and there's they, another uh, the creator. She did Lumberjanes, and she did the mm-hmm. she's the showrunner for um, the new Shira. Yes, Noelle Stevenson. Noelle Stevenson. Um, great. Yeah. Uh, Lumberjanes is, again, another one of those maybe pretty close to Universal. Um, lots of action, really funny. Great um, art. Great art. But, you know, focusing really on friendship um, of these teen girls at a camp that is a little bit more supernatural than you might expect. Yep. Um, and that's uh, it's series just wrapped up not too long ago. So there's something like, 18 volumes so it's a big oh, long gosh. series but um it is done so you know it's not going on forever um a new one that just came out that's really lovely is called girl from the sea by molly knox ostertag uh it's about a selkie oh cool we're meeting a selkie um and molly knox ostertag is a little bit better known for her previous series which was called uh, witch boy which is about a world in which only girls are born with magical powers and they become witches. And this one family has a, a son who is born with magical powers. That's um, fun. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a three book series and, you know, it, it gets at some of these thoughts and questions about gender and identity um, without being entirely about that, but right. you know, it's a place to ask those questions and think about those kinds of concepts um, while still being a really fun adventure story um, with magic. Um, Do you know there's the series, I think it's called Tea Dragons? Oh, so Darling. Good. Darling. Love it. Yeah. I think it's good, good for younger readers too, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as far as like ongoing series, there's a new book. The first issue just came out. Um, I think we ran out of the first issue because I was putting it in everybody's hands um, called Mamo, M-A-M-O. Um, and it's by Sass Millage. Gotcha. Um, really beautiful art gives me a lot of Miyazaki vibes in this, in the way that like, clearly this is an influence, um, a lot of like Howl's Moving Castle and Spirited Away kind of, um, that, that feeling of fantasy, um, but with a very different art style, um, really the first issue was just one of the best things I've read all year. Um, and well, I would say sort of teen tween kind of thing. 
this makes me feel like I need to come to your shop because now I want all of these channels for myself, which is exciting. Um, so I'm wondering, would you uh, just let us know real quick where you're located so listeners can come find you? We are on the corner of Broadway and Olive. Our our space is sort of carved out of the horse head and we're open Tuesday through Saturday, 12 to 7 and Sundays, uh, 12 to 5. There's that. Um, and then if you're looking for a thing, August 14th is free comic book day. Oh, hey. Um, <laughs> this is sort of uh, what it sounds like. Um, and um, we're going to do some other events too. We've hired some cosplayers to take pictures with, and um, we're going to have some raffles and prizes and things. It's that sounds be- like a blast. Uh, and it's the same day as Pride. And we're also going to have a booth at Pride. So, Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So oh. check out both. Come to the store, see books with pictures and check it out. Um, I love this plan. (laughs) I think that everyone should do this. Um, And I want to thank you sincerely for making the time to talk with us about this. I think we got such a beautiful mix of some of the history and and context for comics and um, what it means to have representation and, and creatives from all different backgrounds and how that just really speaks to enriching our community and creating a space where young people, but really all people can, can come and engage with comics, with geekery and feel like they belong. And I think that's, that's really exciting. And it's a great way, not just to see yourself represented, but to expand your horizons. It's important to see yourself represented because it's empowering, but we can also learn so much. Um, Not everything, but a whole lot by sort of exposing ourselves to different points of view and different um, identities. And that kind of Yeah. Because again, that's what the world really looks like. So we should just be, you know, finding ways to to engage with that and celebrate it and be part of a, a, a war, large and varied world, right? That's, yeah. That's where we are at. Um, so yeah, Andrea, thank you so much. Um, I look forward to checking out your shop. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm going to leave you with a quote by one of my favorite geeks, Simon Pegg, an actor who's been in a whole lot of fun, geeky movies, not the least of which playing Scotty on Star Trek. And he spoke in defense of geekery. And he says, being a geek is all about being honest about what you enjoy and not being afraid to demonstrate that affection. It means never having to play it cool about how much you like something. And I think that's about the best definition of a geek that there is. So get out there and get your geek on. And remember that empowered girls change the world.